The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Damn Mexican soccer. <laughs> Wrong football, Eric. Not Maybe when you not money on it. Hashtag bet on Bovada. Maybe, maybe not. Hey, this could become an all-encompassing sports show if everything goes according to plan. Remember, we are becoming the tip-off in just three weeks. True. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening, if you're still listening, and if you are, thank you. And welcome to the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network, online at W2Mnet.com. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. I have been a responsible adult far too often this past week. I need to fix that. The co-host turned executive producing co-host, Brandon Biscabing. I think anyone who listens to us knows that the beginning is just a a crapshoot, so they know what they're getting. So what you're saying is we are who they thought we are? Yes, precisely. No, I, I also think there's a better way of saying this. Rails, where we're going, we don't need rails. But somebody will get railed. That's kind of in his game plan of not being a mature adult. And the last voice you just heard there is the chairman of the W2M Network, Jason Teasley. I'm just here so I don't get fined. I mean, it wasn't my plans, but no, I decided invest in the stock market. Use money to start a business. Be a productive citizen in legitimate businesses. Ever living fuck is wrong with me. A lot, Eric. It's called you're black. It's called you're black. I can't even blame that on this anymore. That's what makes it worse. (laughs) The view... The views and opinions of Jason Teasley can be listened to further once Black Irish finally launches. How's that coming along, by the way? Uh, well, it will be coming along a lot better uh, once the uh, $1,100 computer that I'm about to buy my wife comes in and I take over her laptop and I figure out how I'm gonna, I can set it up to record if need be. Also, I have plans within the next 24 hours to get a battery for my laptop, so I too will be setting up one. So, yeah, it's a race to see who can record first. My new laptop is in. I just haven't had a chance to get it fully set up yet. And I've had a new laptop for like a month and a half now. Well, two months we're now. All, we're all a bunch of schmucks on this show. <laughs> all right, so... Here's the game plan for tonight, everybody, or today, like I said, whenever you're listening. We're going to start with a little bit of discussion that isn't National Football League related. And then we're going to go into our year-end awards special. We will start with college football. We will then make our way into the NFL. There are four categories in college football we will discuss. There are eight categories in the NFL we will discuss. And we will get to each of them individually a little bit later on in the show. We will then close this episode of the show with what we have deemed, and we talked about this in previous episodes, Requiem for a Season. It'll be basically pour one out for the homers, but 
over the course of an entire year. And in breaking news, what once was lost has been found again. Not only could we hop back on the lane train this year as it goes back into the SEC, but we might step in McAdoo in the process. Might I'm putting the over under on about week three. <laughs> as uh, Eric, do you want to go ahead and take this one since it's your McAdoo problem? Well, for everybody that was counting on the magic of Big Dick Nick, for everybody that celebrated the mustache that was Minshumania. Hashtag Florida, man. Oh, God. As if things weren't bad enough, Ben McAdoo is now on the Jaguars coaching staff as a new quarterback coach. He must just really hate us. He went from one... He he must really hate us because he went from two of our guys' teams to now Eric's. So, yeah, good luck with him, Eric. Next he'll oh, go no. ne- next he'll go to Buffalo. No, no, you know what? I'm okay with this because we'll only have to deal with this man in town six times this coming season. Yes, it, it has been announced that the Jaguars will be playing two home games in London this year upcoming. Back to back no less. Hmm. Well, I mean that just makes sense. Hopefully the bye week after the second so that way they have time to travel and get reacclimated to being back on Eastern Standard. Anyway, we're getting that, off topic already, hey, as we are wont hey, to do. Hey, Boris, yeah, um, do you want to take them as part of Brexit? I won't be mad. All right, so I know, Ch- I know Jason and Eric are planning on going into further discussions on this on their show once it officially launches. But until it does, I figure that we could start with a little bit of conversation about the XFL. We are heading into week four. It is February 27th as we are recording this, almost the 28th, but not quite here on the East Coast. And three weeks are officially in the books for the XFL. Jason, I'll start with you. Overall, how would you rate the, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate where the XFL has lived up to your expectations? Well, I mean, I would give it a solid six because I haven't got to really watch many games due to work and stuff. And it's the assholes at work for some reason would rather watch shitty NBA games or Kentucky basketball over the XFL. Oh, well. But uh, what games I have caught, I've caught like highlights and some games on delay and everything. I've actually, I've actually kind of dug it. It's surpassed my expectations. I do like the immediate interviews after drives because it's like, hey, you fucked up that drive. What happened? I do like that. I do like the. I, I a lot of people are frowning on that. I like it because it gives you an immediate reaction. It gives you some great sound bites. Um, it has. I an like F-bomb. the. Yeah. It has an F-bomb. Yeah. You you get yeah you. You you get you get the occasional f bomb, you get. Uh, I think it's raw and gritty. I think it's really gritty, and I I, I kind of like it. it. It's like a, 
it's like a, a college football game on speed is what is the best analogy I can give it. It's got a lot of it's growing momentum week by week. And I think that it could be a really nice um, league to kind of kind of scratch the itch between the Super Bowl and the draft. Eric, with talk of potential expansion already underway, rumors are that Philadelphia has filed for a website franchise with an XFL team name. Maybe they could reboot the soul. Regardless, scale of one to ten, what has it done in regards to your expectations? Having not only done XFL fantasy, both somewhat traditionally on alt fantasy sports and daily fantasy style on FanDuel where there are more ways to win and haven't seen the games and all this and that, I really am giving it a nine. Hmm. I'm giving it a nine because there's the elements of the gimmicks that do remind you of the old XFL, but without all of the terrible injuries, the scripted games, things like that, it's really showing me that Vince took his time, learned from his mistakes, and got it right. Plus, the quality of the play on the field really not only surpassed what was in the original XFL, but to me, and as a guy who liked the AAF, it's blown the AAF out of the water. I mean, Jason said it absolute best. Between your NFL meals... This is a very nice snack slash dessert. And I've already, now hear me out. If you expand, you never, ever, ever go past 16 teams. Keep it at this for a while, but keep your next expansion at 12. And I've already got formats of how they can do it, but keeping at the 10-week regular season to where it would work. See, I would actually think that 10 would be the expansion, and you probably go to a 12-game regular season. The thing with this, if you look at the regular season in the playoffs, you've got a 12-week sweet spot. You don't want to encroach on that because then you're starting to compete with some other sports. And as is, if you look at the viewership ratings on TV, for the first week, you got anywhere from three to, at a peak, three and a half million viewers. You're still able to keep up between 1.9 and 2.5 million viewers. That's what you want this first season. And with your average attendance hovering at right around 17 to 18,000, and your biggest attendance approaching 30 twice, you don't want to go too far, especially on the back end of your season, where you're competing against, say, play NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, different things like that for certain markets. See, I would argue against that, though, because currently, and obviously it's, this is regular season basketball we're talking about, Saturday's XFL games rated higher than NBA basketball in both cable and prime time on ABC. Right, and I agree with that. That's why this is perfect now, because your competition is minimal. 
Fast forward to April, when those sports playoffs really pick up, when you would be having your championship game. For this season, the timing is perfect. You expand the regular season, you risk that perfection. Brandon, scale of 1 to 10, how is the XFL compared to your expectations thus far? Um, I'll give it a 6.5. You know, I haven't really been able to watch a ton of games, but um, what I've seen, it, it's been okay. I mean, quality of football-wise, it's been fine. Um, a lot of, like, the, the more gimmicky stuff, like lack of field goal or lack of extra points and, you know, the way they're doing that and the the way the kickoffs are done, it, it's really weird to me. Um, and and the, the mid-game interviews, yes, they can get you some sound bites and yes, they can get you some shock factor here and there. But more often than not, it just feels really forced and really, um, really forced and, and really unnatural. And so it it just it it feels like it's it's a gimmick that's trying to force itself into it. And so I'm not a big fan of that. Um, but all in all, I mean, if it if it gets that football itch and it's able to sustain itself enough, then then great. Um, you know, I've always said one of the big issues that I see with a springtime football league, and I think we've seen it in the past, we'll see what happens with this XFL, is that fans, in spite of what everyone says about football, fans do get a little bit of, you know, it's too much of a good thing where they get burned out by, you know, March, April, and they're like, okay, time for me to go on to another sport for the time being and get and then get ready for the NFL preseason come July, April, or July, August. All right, I'm going to let Jason respond to the interview thing because Jason's pro-interview, and I'm going to allow him to combat your unnatural comment. Jason? Uh, I mean, you're going to see growing pains. I mean, everything's not going to be polished. You're not going to see immediate picture-perfect polished product right now. You're going to you're going to see stumbling blocks. It's a growing process. If every come out, everything came out uh, perfect and uh, defined and polished and everything, you didn't have any rough spots, I would see it as being forced. They're trying to see what works, what doesn't work, what works going forward. You don't immediately, like, I mean, hell, on this show, we hit stumbling, but we throw shit against the wall, see what sticks. And we adjust to what what goes good, we cut what what doesn't, you know, it's a growing process. Ever since I've came on the show, we've grown segments uh, to see what fits. And we've got segments that we didn't feel that fits. So, you know, we're, we're just a couple of weeks in, yeah. you know, as the season go as the season goes on, then you'll see more polish. You won't see it as forced. I don't you'll think see the times where they will go, will that when they need to do the, I think that they'll in the production meetings they'll go see when 
a interview is needed and when they really don't have to when they really don't have to push to get an interview. Yeah, I I think the thing is that you know no matter how much training you give these players when you're in the heat of the moment like that you're going to have moments like the one we had week 1 or like you know what we've had throughout the season of it either a resulting in something that i mean if this was the old XFL i'm sure Vincent Co would be eating that up like it was going out of style but now I think I don't think that that's what the XFL want. Not saying that that's not what fans want, but you know, I think Some that's going to cause more problems than it's worth. And I think it I'm eventually. I'm going to disagree with that. I'm going to disagree with that on two points here. Actually, one, I think that the grittiness that these that these sideline interviews accompany is exactly what Vince and company are looking for. It's an inside look into what goes on in the minds of the players and coaches during the course of a game. So that way the players and the fans feel like they're brought into the mindset of the players and the coaches. So so he's fine of, with that he's fine with that on the football field but not on the other side. I think that no, because you're starting to see it more and more on the uh, on the wrestling programming as well. That's starting to get grittier once again on the wrestling programming. But this True. isn't a wrestling show, so True. this is not a conversation to have on this particular program. Number two, in regards to your other point that you made about the kickoffs, I absolutely love the XFL kickoff concept, and I think it's one the NFL should adopt, actually. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because it provides excitement on kickoffs, it provides an opportunity to significantly decrease the amount of injuries that we see on a kickoff play that traditionally doesn't always mean a whole lot in, the, in terms of the NFL. And it also provides an ample opportunity for trickery like we saw this past weekend with the first ever kickoff return for a touchdown. And, and, and I'm going to start... Go ahead, Eric. Ahead, What I was going to say is, like, piggybacking off of that, I would like to see, when it comes strictly to the kickoff format, I would like to see an adjustment as far as, and Harry, you and I, we were mentioning this off air, the yard lines, where those teams stand, maybe move them a little bit differently, maybe farther up going into next season or having a trial with that. Otherwise, it's fantastic. And about that grittiness, how many times have you seen in the NFL where there's a big play, there's some sort of momentum shift, and you wonder what's really going through their heads? Because all you hear are the stories about how after the games, the guys are just out, some of them partying or whatever, and fans kind of get a little bit dismayed about that. No, you're seeing where they are in the moment, how seriously they take it, what's going on in their mind. Plus, you add that to in halftime, you see some of those in-game adjustments in the locker room. You see some of the coaches drawing up plays on the whiteboard. This is unprecedented access that the NFL, in my opinion, has never really wanted to provide. So Vince is saying, hey, we've got our fans in the stadiums, but let's really make this a fantastic TV product on top of that. 
and I think it's starting to pay one or two early dividends that they can build on as this season progresses and hopefully in future seasons. Just and real quick. The close, go ahead, Eric. Harry. Just real quick here. Um, to, to give a number to my rating, because I didn't do so before I counter, before I counter it, what Brandon had said there, I'm slightly lower than Eric, but I'm higher than yourself and Brandon. I'm actually around a seven and a half for the overall performance thus far. All right, go ahead, Jason. The floor is yours. Uh, okay, just to, <clears throat> to go back, um, you know, you're you're saying, uh, just going to point this out, you know, you, you everybody talking about what happened week one in that sideline interview. Guess what? It's four weeks later. We're still talking about something week one. You know, exactly. it's generating buzz. And any, uh, like, you know, Eric Bischoff always said, controversy equals cash you any and you know anybody will tell you any publicity is good publicity Mm -hmm. as long as somebody's talking about it will bring more attention to your product it might be negative but it's going to have people looking at the product i agree to get more eyes on it i i agree with that in you know like i said if if this was you know Back back in the day when you know that was the style, and and it Harry is right, it is starting to come back a little slowly but surely. But if the XFL wants to have sustained success, do I love it on a personal level? Absolutely. But you know, if you're looking at it, you know, in terms of if they want to continue growing, then you know they're going to have issues moving forward if it if it happens again. See, I don't necessarily know that it will, though. I, I don't mean in regards to the the verbiage that was came across there. I just think it leads to perhaps a seven second delay getting slapped on there, and you'll notice yeah. there's a lot more blurring and a lot more bleeping when it comes to current week two week three broadcast and there was on week one okay Maybe see i learned that i haven't and bleeping, they pretty much just kill the audio for a few seconds yeah exactly. i haven't you don't even hear the announcers or anything go ahead brandon i i haven't seen like i mentioned i haven't seen many of the other games and i just remember week one that being a really big like oh my god wow this is this is crazy type of moment and you know, if that's the case that they have, you know, kind of brought it down to where they can, you know, do stuff like that, and they can protect themselves, then then that's fine, then then that's good. Um, but I still, and this is maybe the journalist in me, you know, it just feeling very unnatural. But you know, maybe I'll just have to watch more games to get more used to those impromptu uh sideline interviews see i i think that the i think that the side okay and then this will be the last thing because we do need to move on we have we have a shit ton of awards to get to i think as a fellow journalist myself i actually like it because it portrays the human element to the viewer at home they're more than just athletes they come across as real people who are going through real situations like you know how friends will bust your balls when you do something stupid. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck were you thinking? This is... Well, this is basically the reporter version of yeah. what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah. yeah. 
Not to mention, how many NFL players are we going to see actually trade a football for a box of Thin Mints and you get to see him start eating the Thin Mints? If I was a player, I could see myself doing that. Oh, bro, you don't even know. Those Thin Mints would have gotten housed. I mean, granted, thin, for, thin my favorite is always Samoas, but still. Yeah. Not as much as a box of Samoas would have gotten housed, but those Thin Mints would have gotten no, housed. No, 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 no. Go see those is where it's at. Nah. I, I like peanut butter, but only in the right moment. When your dog's I, licking it off your balls? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a cat. I, I don't even show. I don't even want to know. Family show. Well, I mean, right. hey, sometimes pussy is pussy, so. <laughs> what, what Jason didn't tell you is his dog's a dude. Anyway. All right, let's move on. All right, so yeah, overall though, I it think the XFL, nice. I think the XFL has the opportunity to not only survive in this new climate, but to thrive in this new climate. And I think that, like we talked about, uh, as the XFL season was approaching this year, Vince McMahon and Oliver Luck specifically did an excellent job of preparing a business model that took its time to develop rather than rushing into things like we can all agree the AAF did last year with their lack of finances behind the ideas that they had out on the field. All right, one, let's move on. One, one final question for you guys before we move on. How long do you think it takes the, the NFL to take some of the ideas from the XFL like they did with the original XFL? Um, I mean, obviously, play. Obviously, the NFL owners are kind of set in their ways. They don't like change of any kind. But I think they're going to notice like the fan reaction to certain things, such as the kickoffs, like I was discussing earlier. Not this kickoff; those kickoffs, the XFL ones. Yes. And I think that they're going to strongly consider possibly adapting that in the interest of not only fan interest but also in the interest of player safety. I would say two years if it survives the full two years. Okay. I, w- I would give it two years because the way some of the competition committee in the NFL is, they're going to look at this and see how fans react to it and with how players are already reacting to the CBA and how players have been responding to the XFL. They're going to be encouraged to be more open to it. So two years. Jason, care to chime here? No, I don't care to chime in. All right, let's move on then. We now go into our year-end awards portion of the show here, and a lot of these are going to be pretty self-explanatory, but we'll give our own little reasons and theses behind them. For college football, we have the Coach of the Year, our Heisman Trophy winner, our biggest surprise, and our biggest disappointment. A pre-show drawing was held, and Eric won the right to go first and gets to pick the category he wishes to start with. Eric, I'm going to get it out of the way. Disappointment. I already know where this is going. One part you know where it's going. Another part, it's kind of something I've been thinking about. Because, now, I'm going to preface this with my first half been saying Clemson is excluded for obvious reasons. 
and I'm not only going to pile on my team, but really the ACC as a whole. Outside of Florida State, I mean, come on, I expected better. Could anybody outside of Mac Brown and North Carolina really care to help make the conference relevant? I'm not throwing Miami in the case simply because, well, issues and my own personal disappointments in that. But it's like, hey, no. You find yourself very hard-pressed when you're sitting there on a Saturday afternoon rooting for the mighty demon deacons of Wake Forest. And what's even more disappointing about how poorly the ACC uh, played as a whole this season was the fact that this was a showcase year for them with the uh, release of the ACC network. Yeah, that was another ball dropped. Thanks, ESPN and all you cable network. (laughs) Seriously, how fucking difficult is it to make a network available? Good question. I mean, you did it for the long run network. We have the SEC network on about three different channels. Really? Really? I have it. If anybody is looking to add it to your cable package, I can hit you up. Just hit me up on Twitter with your phone number. I'll give you a call and we can set you up with DirecTV. (laughs) I do believe this is the show portion of the show here. So you're going with the ACC in general then, Eric? Yes, I have a slight honorable mention to the Pac-12, but my heart, yes, the ACC in general. Brandon, your biggest disappointment for the 2019 college football season? Hmm. I I think I have to go with the Pac-12. I mean, they had the opportunity... On multiple occasions to get into the college football playoff, and each time they blew it. Hello, Utah. Yep. Them crazy. And hello, Oregon. Well, Oregon at least, Oregon at least lost a close game. True. But Utah got blown the fuck out. Repeatedly, again, something about the state of Utah. Although I'm going to shut my mouth because I am an advocate for down the road Salt Lake City getting U- or XFL expansion. So that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Jason, biggest disappointment. Um, as a team, the, the uh, team that I picked at the beginning of the season, uh, not to blow my own horn, but toot, toot, um, and that's Bama. Uh, but as a conference, I'm going to have to go with the uh, Pac-12. Uh, they had so much, um, so much potential that really faltered down the stretch, and just they they crumbled uh, in the last few weeks and blew their opportunity to make it to the the 14 playoffs. This is going to sound like I'm picking on him, and I'm really not trying to, but I guess I kind of am. Are you picking Miami? I, no, I'm not, actually. 
I understand that there is a massive rebuild necessary in Lawrence. However, you cannot come in with all of the hype that Les Miles came into Lawrence, Kansas with, and then only win three games, including one of which inside of the Big 12. Oh, come on, though. This is Kansas we're talking about. Like the show title says, the man has miles to go. I mean... Here's the thing, though. This is a Kansas team that started 2-1. and one, And expectations in Lawrence went up real who, quick. Who did they play in those three games, though? One of them was Boston College, who became the first team that Kansas has beaten outside of Lawrence in a, out of a Power 5 conference, not in the Big 12, in like a decade. Oh, yeah, Boston College, whoop-dee-doo. Yeah, like that's, that. that, that's not much of an accomplishment. Well, still, they were 2-1. and one. They were doing something. They were potentially doing something. And then they weren't. It's the Jayhawks. They need to In wait football. until November to be good. And not on the gridiron. Well, I'm just saying we are number one in the country right now. Uh, I uh, really, really okay, hope we get a chance to redeem ourselves this year. <laughs> okay, allow me to re- re- allow me to rephrase that, Eric. We are currently number one in the country. Suck it. Oh, if it weren't for so many damn injuries. All right, Brandon, you get your next. You get the next choice. Um. Let's get Heisman out of the way. All right. Shall I go? Uh, you pick the category. Okay. You start the category. I, That's I, how think, this works. I, I think we all are in agreement on this one. It, it's got. It, it's got to be. Uh, it, it's got to be Burrow. The man has a giraffe named after him. End of story. Jason. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, they did get it right. Had a hell of a season. Uh, nobody expected. Uh, I just wonder how those Ohio State fans feel about it, though. And the fact that they let this kid walk. <laughs> yeah, yep. really. I mean, had t- had Tua stayed healthy the whole season, there might have been a chance that he no, would have been. I'm saying there would have been a potential chance, but I still think Burrow would have gotten it regardless. Um, didn't Tua play against LSU? Yes, he did. Oh, yes. yeah, yes, he did. So, yeah, I mean, Burrow would have won regardless. Uh, with an honorable mention to Clemson running back Travis Etienne, who put up monster <laughs> fucking numbers. Yeah, it, um, it it had to have been Joe Burrow, right? Like, oh, yeah. there really wasn't there really wasn't a choice here. Clearly, the best player in college football this year. Unfortunately, I mean, the only, unfortunately, the only other one would be Chase Young. Unfortunately, his reward for being the best player in college football this year means he gets to go play in Cincinnati. Have fun with maybe, that, buddy. Maybe well, he, may, he may pull an Eli. Uh, no, he no, said that he said a... that he's going to play in Cincinnati. Oh, okay. He said he'd be let's, happy let's... to play in Cincinnati. It's an hour and let's a half from his house. Clear. Let's be clear. 
This isn't a pulling an Eli because we all know Archie was behind that. This is pulling a John Elway back in 83. All right. Let's get the real comparison out of the way right here and now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Baltimore then traded to Denver, correct? You are absolutely correct. <laughs> All right. Yo, this guy helping me on the old squid bit. <laughs> Kill me. All right. Jason, do you want biggest surprise or do you want coach of the year? Uh, I think they go hand in hand, so I'll take biggest surprise. And yeah, I think we're that is going with this one. I do think that that's LSU because nobody gave LSU a chance in any pre preseason hype or anything. LSU was not mentioned, not by any of us, not by any of the people that get paid more than we do, which we don't get paid at all. I was uh, about to say, that's pretty much everybody <laughs> who gets paid last time I checked. Um. But, yeah, I mean, the LSU came out of nowhere, it seemed like. They got hot, and then it took a couple games for um, anybody to take notice. And then it started being, well, wait till they play Alabama. And then they should lack Alabama. And then everybody everybody hopped on that, on that hype bus real quick. I mean, as much as I don't want to pick the Bayou Bengals, I think I kind of have to. Um, 15 and 0 speaks for itself, especially in the modern college football climate. And not only 15 and 0, but 15 and 0, where their closest game was decided by like 10 points. So they double digited everybody as well. The problem is. You're losing your quarterback. You're losing your offensive and defensive coordinators. We'll see how 2020 goes in Baton Rouge. Eric? Well, either way, they'll look back on this and say, laissez le bon temps rouler. Seriously, I mean, I looking at especially if you're calling out just the entire Power Five, because... Sadly, there was no real surprises in the group of five, especially thanks to Utah State not being better. Uh, what, 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 what? Technically, there would have there would have been a surprise, but somebody called it. Are you serious to stop it from happening? True, true, true. But yeah, LSU. Let's face it, the stars aligned. For the Tigers this year, you bring in the perfect offensive coordinator. You have all of your weapons sync up and just have monster years all at the same time. And again, you're only, what, the second school ever to go 15-0? and 0? And one of those was way back in the 19th century? I mean, come on. Given how LSU fared just last season, given how everybody was talking about, oh, it's Nick Saban in Alabama, and oh, it's Dabo Sweeney and Clemson again, who really saw this coming? I didn't. I'm just going to say somebody 
made predicted that Alabama would not make the four. Yeah, yeah that but, same person had a couple of very peculiar NFL predictions too. Well, I, he never claimed to be. He never claimed to be a a NFL guru, but he, you know. Didn't he also pick a? Didn't he pick a certain other SEC team? He finds a nut every once in a while. Didn't you pick another SEC team to make it to the playoffs that didn't do all that well either? Yeah, I took Georgia. Georgia didn't get in. Yeah. But you you three took Bama and laughed at me when I said that Bama wouldn't make it. Again, the line squirrel finds not. Yes, we're aware. Brandon? Yeah, I mean... I have to agree with all of you guys. LSU is definitely the biggest surprise of the year overall. But I'll give a little honorable mention to... I don't know. You could either say college football as a whole or the playoff committee for the first time in the college football playoff or BCS era to actually get it dead on right. No controversy whatsoever for the playoffs this season. Well, I mean... They had to have the best way to cap off the sesquicentennial, and this is how they did it. True. Eric and his big fucking words, man. Jesus. (laughs) First of all, he went full-on French on us earlier, and (laughs) yes, I do know what that means, Eric. Hey, it's not the first time that I have spoken French on a podcast on this network. It's just not the longest time I have spoken French on a podcast on this network. Although right now, I believe, uh, as Spanish Homer would say, you're probably thinking, don't, when it comes to that soccer game that you are currently watching. Yeah. Why the hell? Okay, anyway. All back you have to, the- to do is just absorb some damn pressure and play out the back and vulnerability on the wings and... Yeah, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> okay, back to um, back to the LSU Tiger thing here real quickly, though. How big of a drop-off are you guys expecting this year with everything that they've lost? Losing Burrow. Losing the offensive and defensive coordinators. I uh, would. I would say third in the SEC West, but then again, I couldn't think of a team that could finish second. But Auburn, yeah, that's about the only one. So I'd say either second or third in the SEC West. I think the biggest test is going to. I think the biggest test to find out what's what's what with. Sorry, okay. apologies. Getting over being sick. I think the biggest test for what's what with LSU this year will come on September on September 12th. They have the other half of their home and home with Texas. And Texas is supposed to be really good again this year, although they were supposed to be really good last year. And the year before that. And the year before that. before that. Yeah, we could do this pretty much on a loop all the way back to 2005 and Vince Young. But... What is it with what is it with Texas teams, both in college and the NFL, and supposed to being good every year and then flopping? Well, hey, at least they don't play in February. Otherwise, that would add to Dallas's misery. 
I mean, technically, the XFL's Renegades did win a game in February. True. Fair. But then again, Which, you're relying on Landry Jones, Doug. And Bob Stoops is the coach. So what does that tell you? <laughs> Dallas by way of Oklahoma for Renegades. So we'll see what we'll see what LSU is made of when it comes to the start of this season here. I mean, they have a cupcake to open the season. They open it against uh, Texas San Antonio, but then the big test will come Death that when the Longhorns come to Death Valley on September twelfth. All right, let's move on here. Um, Coach of the year, you know what? Yeah, fifteen and zero. Yeah, yeah, Ed Ogeron. Yeah, impressive. No, not for me. You know who I was most impressed by this year as a coach? Dabo Sweeney. Can do. And the reason I'm picking Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, well, Dabo Sweeney of Clemson, I guess more specifically, is because that target was on Clemson's back this entire season. And until LSU in the championship game, no one had the ability to knock it off, not even Ohio State, who stepped up and got Bitch slapped in the semifinals. My coach of the year is Dabo Sweeney. Eric? Honestly, as much as I like Ed Orgeron, I am giving him a little bit of credit because of what he did at USC, what he did even at Ole Miss. So I figured he had it in him if he was given the right opportunity he was. But... With all the talk, with all the speculation, with all of the shit that he knew that he was going to catch, given the situation that he stepped in, I'm picking Ohio State's Ryan Day. Because, yes, say all you want about Urban Meyer and say all you want about, oh, he just came to do the keys. You still got to keep up the house. You still got to drive the car. Was it what they would consider a great ending in Columbus? No. But even still, you did a lot more and even stepping up just beyond the Big Ten and putting at least somewhat of an effort for 30 minutes in that college football playoff. And even getting there after getting spooked in the Big Ten title game was a little bit of an effort in of itself. Knowing he had the big shoes to fill, I think he did quite well. Just need to stretch him out a bit. Brandon? Yeah, I'm taking the obvious choice here. I mean, we talked about it before. No one saw LSU gang anywhere close to what they got this year. And yes, Joe Burrow did a lot of the work. But you got to give credit to Ed Ardron for getting this team going. And getting them on the right track and getting them, pl- getting them to play as a team. So, I don't see any other choice. You gotta give it to Ed Orgeron. Jason. Uh, Neil Brown. Who went five nah. and seven. Nah, I'm gonna catch you. I mean, I, can, I, I was... It was a callback for, you know, know, the previous season. I I know. The previous season where everything, 
the 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 answer was Will Greer for everything. Uh, even I mean I would I put him up for Coach of the Year. Uh, but yeah, I mean Coach O, uh, I I could see where you you could go with Dabo. I mean, I mean that isn't a bad uh, mm-hmm. bad choice. But if it wouldn't have been for the for the surprise factor that LSU done, I think I would have went that route too. But it's just it's it's hard not not to give somebody credit when the entire team was counted out. I think they was picked to finish third in the West, fourth in the West, maybe this year. Uh, fourth behind Alabama, Auburn, and Texas A&M. So, I mean, you got to get, like I said, you got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, the much like my life and you know my marriage, you know, when when you when you overshoot your goals in life, you know, you got to get the credit for it. So. Thus wrapping up our college football awards for the season. Eric. Yes. Six and six and seven on the year after a loss in the bowl game. A requiem for a season. Your thoughts on the twenty nineteen Miami Hurricanes. Still couldn't get the quarterback right. I really don't know what's going on at that position. And I had a lot of hopes, especially after Kate Martell, but I don't know if it's the coordinator, if it's the quarterback coach, something's going on to where there is a significant disconnect. And not just the loss in the bowl game, but the loss to FIU at Marlins Park. That one hurt me in about five or six different places, some of which I didn't know existed until that night. I'm hoping that Ed Reed coming back and being a focal point in the program one way or another will help once and for all bring back that swagger. But if he can't fix it, then... Miami's just truly done. I and I know with Diaz and all of this still being not long in the program, but I don't know. I want this to work. I just don't know if it will, and I'm not sure if it ever will again. I don't. I'm not. Not relevant for the 2019 season, but the 2020 season awaits Brandon getting cocky. Getting cocky. And adapting to the ways of the SEC with South Carolina. Brandon? Yeah, last year was kind of mediocre. They did get a big win against Georgia. But next year, the big storyline going into spring practice... And going into the spring game and moving ahead into next season is going to be the quarterback battle, which will include a local quarterback from Myrtle Beach High School, one Luke Doty, who is going to be competing. He's already been told 
that there's going to be a full-on competition between him and the rest of the quarterbacks in camp for that number one job. And as long as Will Muschamp can get things going in Columbia, I think things will start to look up for the Gamecocks. I mean, the win over Georgia is definitely something to build on. This is a Georgia team that finished in the top 10 of the final regular season poll from the AP. I believe they finished eighth. I believe you may be right. I mean, it's it's definitely something to build. Uh, no, Georgia finished fourth. Yeah, actually. they yeah. So obviously, the win over uh, the win over Georgia is something for South Carolina to build on, and but a team that time, made it to the college football playoff. Uh, Georgia did not. Oh wait, you're right. You're right. Never mind. They were the first one out. It was LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Yeah, because Georgia lost to LSU. In Atlanta. Georgia didn't just lose the SEC title game to LSU. They got blown out. Yeah. But that other the other the only other loss that Georgia suffered for the season was against South Carolina. So it, it was definitely a big win for the Gamecock program and Will Muschamp. I don't I don't hold any resentment towards Muschamp. I wish the Gamecocks well, actually. And not to mention, I mean, they have a history of taking in old Florida coaches. <laughs> Spurrier, Will Muschamp. I'm guessing that the day will come when uh, I'm guessing the day will come when Dan Mullen's ready to leave Florida as well. And then South Carolina will tender him an offer too. <laughs> Hey, I mean, at least you didn't have to worry about Ron Zook leaving for South Carolina. Uh, don't remind me of Ron Zook. Those were dark days in Gainesville. Hey, Harry. October 3rd. Yeah, uh, I hope you guys... I think you guys come to the swamp this year, actually. Yes, we do. (laughs) Y'all are getting blown the fuck out. Probably. It's going to be a building season, I think. All right, Jason, year one of the Neil Brown era, five and seven for West Virginia, but a positive note to end the season on costing one of your rivals an opportunity to go bowling when you guys beat then five and six TCU in the last game of the regular season. Uh, I I think um, this season you've seen a lot of growing pains. Um, you know, it's everybody keeps saying, trust the climb, trust the climb. Um, the Neil Brown's brought a positive attitude. Um, he's got the players buying in, uh, injuries and, you know, just, um, inconsistent play hampered us all season. Uh, had, had some really good bright spots, had some really, really, uh, dark times. Uh, so, I think that for year one, it was a lot of stepping up, getting used to that that Big 12 climate that he's not used to playing in. Um, so I, I I would give him a overall grade. I'd give him a C because you know there was some there was some questionable calls, especially in, in the Missouri game. Uh, that you know we could have 
we could have um, could have benefited from. Forward, uh, have a real nice rec- recruiting class. Uh, definitely address some issues on our defensive back uh, situation. Uh, strong uh, quarterback battle going into the spring practice. So I, I'm very helpful going forward. But just like about any team, you when bringing a whole new staff in, you got to have veteran players buying in, getting kids to buy into the program, and you know doing the adjustments. So you know, let's just hope that uh, there are some brighter days uh, ahead of us in uh, Morgantown. Well, it's also a step up in competition for Coach Brown as well, Jason. You got to think coming from Troy, the expectation levels weren't anywhere near as high as they would be in a place like Morgantown. Yeah, I mean, and plus uh, the Big 12 is a conference where, you know, um, defense is is something that's non-existent. You see a lot of high-powered offense. You see a lot of high-powered offenses rather than really uh, dominating defenses. So I think that that's the climate Brown's going for with the addition to a lot of – Really um, good defensive back, solid three-star defensive back that uh, signed on National Signing Day. And um, I think that he's going to go with a really strong offense, and he's going to bring back something that the Big 12 is lacking, and that is a stellar defense to to combat these high-powered offenses. Because if you have a solid defense in the Big 12, and you can you can just score and keep other teams from scoring. You can go a hell of a long way in the Big Twelve. The one thing that I've always thought of, well, it kind of just popped into my head about West Virginia and and the Big Twelve is, I wonder how far they can really go in the Big Twelve, just purely because of geography. They have to travel so much more than the rest of the teams. And in terms of recruiting, they're kind of an outlier where, you know, the recruits that they're going to go after in the area are more than likely, except for within West Virginia, where they're going to be West Virginia fans, it's going to be, you know, ACC area or SEC area. Well, that's where you You have, if you have a strong recruiter. Uh, Neil Brown has a nice pipeline in Texas that he has established uh, throughout his career. So we do have that, That's which true. is Big 12 country. Uh, and a lot of it, you got to think, uh, like we talked about when we was talking about the the whole super conference uh, thing before, uh, you're going to have, you can only have so many star athletes competing for so many spots. So a four-star uh or a four, a three or a four star Texas athlete come to that's not getting looked at by one of the bigger schools in the in the area that you know one the national prominent school that can fall to somebody like a West Virginia play against the people that look them over and play with a chip on their shoulder is kind of enticing. That's true. Also, real quick to that, and then we'll move on to the NFL awards section of this too. You have to think that 
a lot of times you're just recruiting talent coming out of school, whereas Coach Brown, and this is to his credit because Dan Mullen is the same way, recruits to his program's style. Yes. Rather than just talent. Like he's looking also, for good he's looking also for good players. Real, yeah, real quick, and leadership. He's looking for good players, but he's looking more so for people that'll fit into his system without contradicting other people that are already there. Mm-hmm. And he he's he's not looking he's looking for on the field leaders as well. Not you know, you can have all the talent in the world and not be coachable. Um, or you could be a three-star athlete that's coachable and play well above your means in the right system, like Harry was saying. So you do have that aspect of it, too. He, he's a lot of people around Morgantown and the players and stuff. Uh, only thing they're doing is talking about how uh, supportive he is, how much that he, you know, how hands-on he is. Uh, talking to players, boosting, boosting it up. Never, never really um, less a negative aspect to anything said in. He always has a positive attitude. He's always building his players up. So that that's a plus that you don't uh, see in a lot of college college football because fan bases are rabid. You you see um, a perfect example is Alabama. Alabama loses one game and they're ready to fire Nick Saban. Why? He's a great, he's one of the best college football coaches of all time. Why would you fire him after one game? Well, because they're but so used the to winning base, every single game that you know it's a shock. To exactly. Them. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. So you you have that you have that mentality. Players, an Alabama player, constantly hearing the negativity over one game. You know, you if you go into a, you have somebody, and that's to Saban's credit. He he's a motivational. He doesn't let his, he he's one of his players' biggest cheerleaders. He doesn't let the hype get to his players. He doesn't let the negativity get to his players. He keeps them positive, despite everything. He doesn't let them get too hyped, and let fans dictate how his players. Uh, perform in Gainesville Dan Mullen led the Gators to an 11 and 2 record step up from last year's 10 win season but a second back to back of 10 win seasons here and the only two losses that Florida had this year were to Georgia and LSU on a neutral field no wait LSU was in Death Valley. Georgia was on the neutral field. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Hey, you had that mixed up with a cocktail party. Yeah, uh, that's. I, I thought about that for a second. I'm like, wait a second. No, the Georgia game's in Jacksonville. Anyway, back to what I was saying here. So, realistically speaking, as a Florida Gator fan, there's a lot of reason to still be excited in Gainesville. There's a lot of reason to believe that this team is on the precipice of taking that next step and becoming one of the teams to come out of the SEC with an opportunity at a college football championship within the next couple of years, maybe even as early as next year. Dan Mullen is a proven recruiter. He did so at Mississippi State. He's doing so at Florida. 
And now that we are in year three of the Dan Mullen era, you're going to start to see more of an influence of the players that Dan Mullen has personally recruited. His original recruits will now be juniors. Yeah, we got a little bit of disappointing news this past, a little bit earlier this offseason when Van Jefferson was announced that he has a Jones fracture in his foot and is likely to have to undergo surgery and will probably not be able to play in the spring game and might not be ready in time for the start of fall practices. But this is a Florida team that is notorious for finding talent at skill positions wherever necessary, and when absolutely necessary, just stealing it from Miami. As if I didn't have enough things stolen from me. In a brief interjection, chingate tu colasso, Rossi. You, Bob Bradley, and all the 325, you can kiss my ass. I'm guessing your bet on LAFC didn't pan out. LAFC 3, Leon nil in the 83rd minute. Not only would I lose my bet because I bet on Leon to win the match, LAFC would actually come back from 2 nil down on aggregate to advance to the quarterfinals of this whole. Let this be a lesson, ladies and gentlemen. Don't bet on soccer. Yep. Mexican teams <laughs> overpowering MLS teams. My ass. The one time. The one. Okay, real, real quick. James Franklin and the Penn State Nittany Lions went 11 and 2 as well. Their losses were Ohio State and I think Whiskey. I think you Sounds may be right. right. Sounds right. I'm pretty sure it was. It, it was. It was a pretty sure it was a uh, a Big Ten West team. A yeah, Big Ten West team. But I think it was whiskey. But I'm not sure. I'll have to look that up. But regardless, um, things are looking good in Happy Valley as well. Franklin just signed a contract extension, so we know he's sticking around. Jerry Sandusky isn't allowed anywhere near the locker rooms anymore, so that's an added bonus. Nothing. Really? Okay. Nope. Hang on. He's just misunderstood. That, that one, I mean, what? I'm. That's not even worth the rhythmic clapping. So. But the only concern and is the, you're still you're still in arguably the toughest or that the very worst of the second toughest subdivision in D1 college football. Because I would put Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Sparty when they're good. Although this year, <laughs> maybe not so much with D'Antonio leaving. Up there with a Florida, Georgia, and then Missouri when Missouri's gifted, or a LSU, Auburn, Alabama, Texas A&M. Yeah, that's more likely. Because yeah. let's face it, can you really count Missouri when they're on probation? And by the way, the other loss was when Minnesota rode the boat. Oh, that is right. Minnesota did. Get, Minnesota did only lose two games this year, didn't they? Yes, they rode the boat, and then they were the ones who got boat raced the following week by whiskey. Mm-hmm. On the plus side, though, whiskey did lose their bowl game, so that made three of the four of us happy. Only it a bit. Only a hey, bit. Brandon. Yeah. Quack. Quack. Uh, yeah, quack. yeah, yeah, yeah. Quack. 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 Okay. Mighty Duck moment over. Damn Let's move to our NFL duck. awards. 
<laughs> Goddamn ducks. All right, let's move to our NFL awards. Eric, there, you lead there, us off. There may be another one coming. I'm just saying. There's a series coming to Disney Plus, actually. Oh, Disney Plus, you're still not getting my money. Now, mainly because I want to pay off on a deep tease on our last episode a couple of weeks ago, MVP. As I I think hardly anybody has figured out my pick, although a couple of you got close. I feel like you're about to pick Deshaun Watson. No, I am not. Right position, wrong division, wrong conference. For a man who, in a lot of eyes, is underrated. For a man You see, Jason, normally when I have a speech in my head, things are going great. I've got this stuff that I remember. Things are clicking and going. Really? He stole your thunder. Yeah. Stole it and damn near struck me with lightning. Yeah. Go ahead. Explain, Explain your reasonings for Russell Wilson's MVP candidacy. Okay. First of all, when you talk about Deshaun Watson, yes. A lot of clutch moments and whatnot for Houston. You take away that you take him away from the Texans, and there is a significant drop off. But they're still at least competitive. Let's face it: with everything in Seattle, would you trust Geno Smith to do a fraction of anything Russell Wilson did? And if he was under center this season. Would you not call the Seahawks an automatic dumpster fire? Well, he's a former uh, Jet, so yes. Eric? Yes? I'm just going to say this. I wouldn't trust Geno Smith to survive getting punched by a teammate, let alone quarterbacking an NFL franchise. Thank you! Well, <clears throat> well somebody trusted Geno Smith to um, break the longest active um, quarterback starting streak. And that person got fired. And rehired. Joy. Rapture, even. Brandon? (laughs) My MVP is one Lamar Jackson. He, you know, he came out of nowhere this season and... Outside of the playoffs, led the Ravens to an amazing season. Jason? My MVP is a player that me and Harry have talked about quite often. Uh, that if you took him off his team. Yep, we're going to agree here. They were a, an amazing dumpster fire. They lose their quarterback. And they and he still puts up a thousand and thousand season, and mine is run CMC. Same here. Um, under the actual definition of the rule for most valuable player, is the player that contributes the most to his team. Without Christian McCaffrey this year, the Carolina Panthers are lucky to win two games. 
you wait a minute. All the talk wasn't Will Greer behind uh, center for a few of those games. Yeah. Well, Will Greer started one game. It was mostly Kyle Allen. It was. Yeah, it was Kyle Allen. Although the talk is Cam Newton's coming back next season, so we'll see what happens if Newton is uh, back in the Panther uniform. Well, the rumors I'm hearing is Cam Newton is not coming back, and Cam Newton will be traded draft day to a certain team out west. No, who, who I, will be losing their quarterback to Indianapolis? Uh, hmm? Oh, are you are you thinking what I'm thinking? Uh, I'm Los connecting Angeles. some dots here. Los yeah. Angeles and Rivers. Yeah. Rivers, it's all going to depend on on what happens with Brady. If the rumors Rivers I'm hearing about, if if the rumors I hear about Brady come true, Rivers ends up in uh, Indianapolis, which means the Chargers then make a trade for Cam Newton, and Cam Newton uh, becomes a Charger. So is this assuming Brady goes to Las Vegas then? Nope. Brady is rumored to go to Tennessee currently. Well, yeah, Tennessee is the favorite. And um, well, look, I'd already be miserable, so I'd be like, nah, you give me well, a reason to spend the whole 2020 season inebriated. I'd be good with that. We'll we'll talk more about Tennessee a little bit later, and specifically the person that he's re- he would be replacing probably in a little bit here. But yeah, I'm gonna like I said, I'm in complete agreement with Jason here. In my opinion, by the very definition of the way that they phrase the MVP award, the player that means the most to his particular team, it almost had to be run CMC this year. One thousand yards rushing, one thousand yards receiving, only the second player in NFL history to accomplish that. Who was the first? I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up. I feel like this is something Eric would know, though. I'm even drawing a blank at this point. This is something I it should know. Was it Dickerson? If I had to venture a guess, I would have said Eric Dickerson. That would be my, my guess. Yeah, because Simpson was never known as a pass catcher. Well, Maybe not to mention all those quarterbacks in the 70s. That's fair. All right, Eric can look that up here because he goes last on this next question because he went first on the last one. Brandon, we move to you. You have seven categories to choose from. Roger Craig, not Eric Dickerson. Former San Francisco 49er. Probably when he was a 49er and had Montana throw into him. While he's looking, while he's looking that up, Brandon, you pick the category. I'll uh, let's go rookie of the year. Okay, this should make for some interesting conversation here because, unlike the NFL, which does separate offensive and defensive rookies of the year, we are not. We are combining it all into one category. Brandon. I think my rookie of the year this year has to be Nick Bosa. He helped their team so much on the defensive end 
and really led the team to where they got in the Super Bowl. Without him in that spot and without his production, I don't think the 49ers make it to the Super Bowl. Jason. Uh, we're going overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, mine's, mine's a toss-up. Uh, uh, I mean, I want to I want to go Bosa because of that. Then I want to go. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be different. I'm going to say my rookie of the year based on the contrib- contribution to the team, how he elevated the team, and everything. It's Florida man. See, now you gain my respect again. <laughs> because he, was, he, he came really... in, he came in, led his team, and he contributed to the team. Um, I, it was either he, I was either going him or Miles Sanders. Um, but I think Minshew would have got my nod. Uh, Kyler Murray, um, I don't think, I don't think he did enough in my eyes. Uh, if the Cardinals could have won a few more games, I would have gave him the nod. Uh, but down the stretch and the circumstances, I'm going to go with Minshew. I actually have kind of a surprise pick here. Bigger than mine? <laughs> uh, it's, it's up there. Running back who kept his team in postseason contention until week 16. Despite only getting the chance to play in 13 games, he finished eighth in the league in rushing this year. And, oh, by the way, he made bank during the Super Bowl by getting his own commercial as well. My rookie of the year is now Las Vegas running back Joshua Jacobs. Yeah, I mean, that's that's solid. I mean, that's no surprise. I mean, he's definitely uh, in the conversation for what he did, especially on that team. That team is, is not good. <laughs> 1,150 yards for a rookie, averaging almost 90 yards a game, because, again, they only played in 13 games, seven touchdowns, only one fumble lost all season. Not bad numbers for a guy who didn't exactly have a whole lot of hype surrounding him despite being a late first-round draft pick last year. Mm. Eric? I mean, it's, again, coming out of nowhere. Now, with my pick, I'm going to flat out say, especially with how he helped his side of the ball with his team, it's Nick Bosa. But I'm also going to give an honorable mention to a man. We all talked about Lamar Jackson, but there was one guy who helped, really helped him burst onto the scene for the Ravens. Hollywood Brown. Gus Edwards. Hmm? Oh. <laughs> hmm. 
Yeah. Without Hollywood Brown, let's face it, with a real speedy target where you could go over the top, which Lamar Jackson proved he was able to do, with Lamar's running abilities, you would still have questions about him in the passing game. And I really think that even after, well, how this season ended wasn't well, but the success going through 16 games in the playoffs, this is going to be yet another formidable quarterback-wide receiver tandem. I like how Jason's just in your head. Yeah, just just remember, I'm not making any keys for those locked doors. You don't know the password. You don't want to know the password either. (laughs) All right. I'm pretty sure you need age verification as well. All right, let's move on here. Jason, you're up. Uh, Coach of the year. And I'm going to go, I mean, I'm going to take the obvious pick. And it's uh, a deserving coach um, who finally got over the hump come to the playoffs, um, and that's Andy Reid. I'm going to give Andy Reid the nod simply because, I mean, uh, he got the monkey off his back come playoff time. He he had a game plan, even though every time the he didn't really have a play sheet, it was actually just one of those uh, single-sided menus from uh, Amla House that he kept on the sideline that he kept sniffing. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Andy Reid deserved Coach of the Year simply because he got the monkey off his back, got a Super Bowl win, and he let Kansas, he led Kansas City to, to leading uh, live up to the hype that they had. And I still right. say fuck Robert Taylor. All right, I'm going to preface this by saying I really, really, really wanted to vote for Sean McDermott. I'm not going to, but I really wanted to. Despite how disastrously it all fell apart on February 2nd, my pick for coach of the year is Kyle Shanahan from the San Francisco 49ers. And the reason being is that there is not a single person that not only would have picked San Francisco to win the division, the NFC West this year, but to do so while clinching home field advantage with the best record in the NFC and then holding on to that home field advantage to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Again, yes, things ended poorly against Kansas City in Miami, but up until that point, the 15-3 and Niners were the best team in football until that last 15 minutes when they weren't. Eric. I mean, I wouldn't even say the last 15 minutes. I would say the last seven minutes when Shanahan, well, Shanahan. But I really still have to agree with everything on the heels of, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo being the man and this and that. They still had to get those close wins. They still had to get some key stops. They still had to put themselves in a position to even get to Miami to live up to all of the hype coming from 
Jimmy Garoppolo and the promise of being the franchise. Yeah, he did a lot, but while he's always going to be remembered for 28 to 3 in these last seven minutes, I don't think it's enough to take away the overall job that he did. Brandon. Yeah, I think I think I probably have to go with Shanahan as well for the same reasons that you mentioned, Harry. The fact that, yes, we thought that the 49ers would improve now that Garoppolo was back from injury, but I don't think anyone expected them to be as good as they were. Uh, so, yeah, you got to go with Shanahan. All right, I'm going to pick an interesting one for my pick to start continue the NFL awards here. I'm going to go with comeback player of the year for my pick because I think this is going to lead to some interesting discussion from you guys here. Unfortunately, my pick for this award physically pains me to say it. The man tore his tricep and then came back to play wild card weekend. Not only did he tear his tricep and come back to play wild card weekend, he played a key role in Houston's defense stepping up and putting enough pressure on Josh Allen to make Josh Allen make enough mistakes for Houston to be able to survive wild card weekend and move on to a matchup against Kansas City in the divisional round. My pick for comeback player of the year this year is J.J. Watt. Eric? Uh, same division, a different team. Now, given his career prior to what happened this season, nobody had any real legitimate expectations. Some of it, people said it was the coach. Well, with what happened to the coach, absolutely agree. But some of it was just the constant injuries of this and that. But lo and behold, he finds himself in a great system with a great staff being put into action quasi out of nowhere. Gets his team not just to a winning record, not just to the playoffs, but what we would all agree a pretty significant and joyous playoff win. Ryan Tannehill, I got to give you mad prop. You're my comeback player of the year because, hey, for you to do this now and potentially earn yourself something probably elsewhere, kudos to you for finally pulling it together. I suspected that Tannehill's name was going to come up during comeback player of the year, which is why I postponed my thoughts on the Brady situation. Yeah, I feel like it would be an absolute slap in the face to Ryan Tannehill after his performance last year for Tennessee to court Brady. But it's happened before. Brandon, you're up next in comeback player of the year. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Eric. When Ryan Tannehill took the reins in Tennessee, I don't think anyone expected them to be anywhere near the playoffs. Let alone playoffs. Yes, playoffs. We talking about playoffs? Yes, 
playoffs. The, the fact that they not only made the playoffs, but made it pretty handily just showed that, you know, he he really took a big step forward this season. Uh, okay, let's not go too far. I mean, granted, they were this was their fourth straight 9 and 17. In yeah. NFL history first, but still it's what they did in the playoffs that really counts. Exactly. I will say that I will say this much. A lot of that big step forward was on the back of Derrick Henry. Yes. Yes. It certainly helps to have uh pieces around you. All right, Jason, you're up. Could have been a Jaguar. Could have been a Jaguar. Yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to follow suit here and go with uh Eric and Brandon. I mean uh resurrected uh his career in Tennessee and could possibly lead to a nice payday. Uh and you know, that's why, you know, I was I was going to discuss this, you know, like when you said we're gonna hold off on it. Um if Tennessee does court Brady, which is the rumor, I could see Tannehill ending up in somewhere. I think that he would make a really nice fit uh, in Vegas. I think uh, he would fit that offensive scheme really well, especially with Josh Jacobs behind him. Um, but outside of that, I think I think if Tennessee doesn't land Brady, I think he gets a massive contract from Tennessee. Um, if, if he, if he doesn't take offense to being for them going after Brady, which I mean, who could blame any team for going after Brady, honestly. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. I think Tannehill could get paid or I think he may take it personal and it light a fire under him and whatever team he does end up to, he could show out. One one thing about this this whole Brady thing, this is going to be one of the more interesting off seasons for the NFL because you know we talk a lot about the coaching carousel, but there seems to be a quarterback carousel in the making if Brady does go somewhere else, because then the pieces yeah, are going to start moving. There's actually a Brady watch, and it has been reported that New England hasn't even contacted him about even open being open to discussions to discuss a contract they have not been in contact with him at all and it's been in the past few days both tennessee and vegas have emerged as betting favorites to where he would end up for the 2020 season new england was really three to one again him going anywhere else that's tailed off significantly. All right, Eric, you pick the category. Oh, I got to see here what's left. Mm-hmm. Biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, defensive player of the year, because we're saving hot topic for last. Okay. Honestly, ooh. I have a team, and this is going to sound weird, for 
biggest disappointment? Really two come to mind. I already know my pick for biggest disappointment, so go ahead. You can choose that if you want to. Yeah, for biggest disappointment, and I did tease this a little bit when I was saying about Ryan Tannehill with the coach, with Adam Gaze, but even though the Jets are the Jets, even though, yes, Sam Darnold did miss significant time with Mono, I would have thought something would have clicked rather than this just be a hot pile of New Jersey garbage. This is the Jets we're talking about. I know, which is why I didn't have tremendously high expectations and I picked to just be a wild card, but I would have, I did not see this. This is why I'm picking. Of course. The Steelers also came to my mind, but the Jets even more so. Brandon? See, I was thinking of picking another obvious choice, but like how Eric said Jets are going to Jets, Browns are going to Browns, so I'm not picking them. Because I think even other than the very optimistic Brown fans, the always optimistic Brown fans... I think we all knew something was going to break in Cleveland. My biggest disappointment this season is the L.A. Rams. I don't think anyone, especially after last year, yes, they had the you know disappointment in the Super Bowl, but I, I still thought they were going to be, yes, they were still in the running, but they had a big drop off this season. Jason? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I will, I, I want to go ahead and take it. Uh, I'll take, since Brandon went with the Rams, I was going to say Jared Goff. But I want to go ahead and say uh, my biggest disappointment was <sighs> Baker Mayfield uh, because he had all that talent around him and could not do anything with it. Um, it goes to show that, you know, when Odell threw, was throwing the Giants under the bus saying that he's glad to go play with the quarterbacks and can get him the ball. And he's so happy that he's be out in New York. Eli can't get him the ball. He, he, you know, he respected Eli, but he thought that he needed to be with a better quarterback. He goes to Cleveland and Yeah. That was a thing. So Baker Mayfield, all the hype that Cleveland had after the trade and everything, Baker Mayfield had lofty expectations, especially from somebody on this panel. Not going to say any names, but it was me. Um, that that was but, your reverse yeah, Alabama. I mean, yeah, um, that was karma coming back to bite me in the ass after the Bama stuff. I, I, I forsake Bama. The football gods weren't happy, so they, they just said, we're going to make you look like a complete dumbass talking about Cleveland, how good Cleveland's going to be. But um, going back, I do want to throw out a honorable mention for Coach of the Year. Uh, and I, I wanted to say it, and I just it slipped my mind because – Honestly, I was doing something while I was putting the dog up as I was talking about it. But Mike Tomlin, 
deserve to be in that conversation for having his quarterback go down, uh, having a quarterback carousel, a quarterback get like his almost murdered with a helmet and everything and still had that team competitive. So that earns respect as much as I hate Pittsburgh. But going back, uh, yeah, Baker Mayfield was a total shit show this this year and was a huge disappointment. You're giving an honorable mention to Tomlin for coach of the year, but Pittsburgh's actually my pick for biggest disappointment. And none of it's Mike Tomlin's fault. I'm not going to sit here and say that it is because it's not. The issues that Pittsburgh had were very clearly injuries and lack of a cohesive being a cohesive team at this point after losing both of their major superstars over the course of the two of their major superstars over the course of the last two seasons. One of them, it proved to be better to be away from. The other, the jury's still out on because let's just say year one in New York didn't exactly go as planned. But I picked the Steelers to win the AFC North. I fully expected Pittsburgh to continue its dominance in the AFC North there. I also didn't expect Ben Roethlisberger to get hurt week two, but it happened. The thing that is so disappointing about Pittsburgh, though, is they were in control of their own destiny, and then they lost a game they shouldn't have lost to the Jets. Yeah, but at the same time, Harry, they were trying to reach out to Landry Jones. You can only expect so much. I mean, he is doing pretty well with the XFL, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Brandon, you're up. Uh, do you want surprise or do you want defensive player? I'll take defensive player. All right, go ahead. I I think my my defensive player also has to be the same as my rookie of the year. I think you got to go with uh, Nick Bosa. For the reasons mentioned earlier? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Jason? Yeah, I'm going to go Bosa simply because, I mean, he was a force on that defense that helped lead them to the Super Bowl. While not as dominant as he was last year, he was still a difference maker on a team that was not very good. And I think that if they can find an offense to actually match their defense, his defensive abilities will stand out even more, especially if the rumors of Rivers to Chicago are true. I'm saying Khalil Mack. I I was about to say, I thought you were going to talk about someone completely different, and I was about to say, what is your love affair with Carolina today? Who were you thinking? I was thinking you were going to talk about Keekley. Luke Keekley retired. I know this. That's why when you said if next year they can get pieces around him, I was like, oh, never mind. He's not talking about Keekley. Eric, who's your defensive player of the year? I- I'm really going to have to agree with Bosa because, again, without him, the Niners really don't have that dominant force. And then where is that defense to really help boy when Garoppolo wasn't that good for times throughout the season? Following in his brother's footsteps. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Jason, it's up to you for biggest surprise. Oh, biggest surprise. Uh, hmm. Let's see. Which one do I want to go with? I, I want to be I want to be that guy. Biggest surprise is someone that I gave. Um, I was critical uh, during the draft. Didn't really understand the pick. Uh, but after a couple games, I started buying into the hype. And once he gets uh, some receivers around him that can, which are rumored to happen in this draft, then he gets a true number one to throw to. Um, I think I'll be a happy camper on most Sundays. And I'm going to go with Daniel Jones. I'm glad I get to go next here. Because if Jason wants to be a homer, well, I mean, <laughs> honestly, who had Buffalo at 10 and 6 in an AFC, the top AFC wildcard team this year? Nope. Fucking nobody. That's who. I mean, yeah, Fucking I'm nobody. going to give them an honorable mention of my own. Yeah. <laughs> My biggest surprise this year is the fact that the Bills not only won 10 games, but they made the playoffs for a second time in three seasons. And wow, bad times Josh Allen kind of showed up a little bit during that postseason game against Houston. Hey, obviously the kid's doing something right to become the second quarterback in 20 years to take Buffalo to the postseason. I'm saying hey, you scored my- more than three points. That's progress. And we won more than six games. That's progress. <laughs> At least you had your starting quarterback. <laughs> well, in fairness, you guys had three of them. Anyway, who's your biggest surprise this year, Eric? Personally, with an honorable mention to Buffalo, especially since you were smart enough to move on from the Intercepticon himself, my biggest surprise is the Florida man. Now, granted, everybody knows my affinity for watching a Mike Leach offense in college. Gardner Minshew recruited by Mike Leach to go ahead and say, hey, you want to go coach? Or you want to lead the nation in passing? Minshew chose leading the nation in passing, which he did. The rest is history. Mustache, broken hand stories, guitar, desire to sing in a cabin, mixing in with our white trashness. Really, I should have seen this coming, but everything was just meant to be. And now... He's going to go ahead and try to go against that was moderately sized uh, Dick Nick to see who will get the starting job in 2020. I would say I'm optimistic, but then I would be delusional. So I'll abscond. Brandon? Uh, Yeah, I think I have to agree with you, Harry. Biggest surprise... The Bills, I don't think anyone expected, you know, them. I thought they might get close to the playoffs. They might have been one of the first four out. 
but I did not expect them to be 10-6 and six and making, you know, making the playoffs so handily this season. Did, did he just NCAA us? Yes, I did. How dare you? Well, next year, if you're the first four out this year, you'll be one of, well, I guess it depends on where in that first four you were. Seriously, 17, what the fuck? Anyway, whatever. All right, let's move on before I get agitated and this show becomes even longer than it already is because we're coming up on two hours. Mm-hmm. All right. Two hours. The time that Leon just needed to play for. You only needed two hours. Win me a little money. Go on to the quarterfinals, but no. No. <laughs> Oh, if it makes you feel any better, Eric, if it makes you feel any better, Eric, you can bet on Liverpool clinching the the uh, Premier League by the end of March. Yeah, for what minus one thousand odds or something ridiculous? <laughs> Come on now, where the hell is the value in that? Granted, if you were to bet on that, you would probably find better odds on Bovada. Fifty percent bonus with your first deposit up to two hundred and fifty bucks. Even more if you decide to use Bitcoin, which, in the day's economy. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to our final topic for the NFL Awards, and we're calling this the hot topic. And this is going to be a uh, something that none of us have touched on throughout the course of our awards thus far. Just kind of a general rant and rave about a who, what, where, or how that happened in the NFL this year. And since I'm going first, I think I kind of have to take the obvious answer here. My hot topic for this year in the NFL was the very rapid decline of the sanity of one Antonio Brown. You motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Relax. Give him a few minutes and he'll apologize to you on Instagram too. Don't worry. The good news is, Jason, is you're going last in this category, so you'll have a few seconds to think of somebody else. The Antonio Brown saga played out in full gory detail this year and unfortunately shined a very real light on the problems with the health and well-being of the players in the National Football League. You know how we talked about the kickoffs in the XFL and how they were safer? Mm-hmm. Well... Mm-hmm. Perhaps some of those safety regulations need to find themselves more towards the NFL and protecting the wide receivers because of hits like the one that Brown suffered from Vontez Burfick in that wildcard game there has led to Antonio absolutely losing his ever-loving mind. I wish Antonio nothing but the best. But for the love of everything that is holy – Whatever religion you happen to choose it from, get some help. It's not just for his sake, but for the sake of his kid. Eric, you're up. My hot topic, we touched on one quarterback now making news, especially as the offseason grows. But and there if you was take my other one, I'm gonna be pissed. But there was another quarterback who 
who had his own kind of a storyline throughout this season. Number four in your programs, maybe <laughs> not number one in Dallas's hearts, Dak Prescott. Okay. <laughs> I mean, for all the talk about, oh, not taking the $33 million, are they going to pay him? Why do they pay these other guys early? Surely he has to get the deal doing this, doing that. Well, naturally, Jerry Jones finally clapped off and getting rid of Jason Garrett. But this is a question that has remained and still remains even right now. What is going to happen with Dak Prescott for the Cowboys? Right now, there's talk of franchise tag. There were wild rumors about boarding Tom Brady. Everything is up in the air, and I'm going to be honest. With the way the Cowboys season ended, I don't think he gave himself a whole bunch of leverage. <laughs> Why do I have a feeling there's a hole being born at me through the, my phone? I think I heard Jason say good, so I think yeah, you're okay. Yeah, I think you're safe. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I guarantee you I get bit scared. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't – well, I guess it kind of has happened here. But in fairness, awards, one of those things. Brandon, your hot topic. My hot topic has to be with, – with an honorable mention to – the... Don't give an honorable mention until after I go. Okay, fine. If you, st- fine. If you, steal, if you steal my motherfucker, my... I will drive the Myrtle Beach your ass. My, my hot topic of the season, even though it was an isolated incident, it was a big storyline, kind of is, is something that you were talking about with Antonio Brown, was the whole Vontez Perfect Mason Rudolph thing. Debacle. Miles Garrett. Or oh right, that was Miles Garrett. You're right. You're right. Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph, debacle, and yeah. All right, Jason. He didn't steal it. Do you have a? Do you have a guess what it is? Hmm. We've the talked latest, on the, is, the latest Des Bryant news? No. He said quarterback. My biggest story is the shocking retire, sudden retirement of one Andrew Luck. Oh. See, I that happened so that. long ago that I even forgot about that. Is it well, weird that I thought he was about to say the shocking sudden retirement of Luke Keekley? So was I, but then I, but he said quarterback, no, so I, I was confused. No, I think because the ripple effect of that will be seen this off season, because I was hinting about it, uh, but it was my backup. So because I figured, you know, somebody would do it, Antonio Brown. But the ripple effect that the sudden retirement of Andrew Luck will spur this offseason is something of a huge story that will be brought back up. 
Luck, who was injured, everybody was expecting him to come back. Everybody had high hopes, and suddenly he's at a press conference announcing there's a retirement, and he goes out on top. Um, I respect him for the reasons he gave. He's still young. He has his whole life ahead of him. He doesn't want to end up uh, at a caliber that he's not comfortable of himself being at. And he doesn't want to play a, a decline and possibly hurt his team when he knows that he's not at his best. So he kind of went out on top in, on his terms. But like I said, this will have ripple effects this offseason, especially with the Tom Brady issue, the Philip Rivers issue. A lot, it will cause a lot of moving pieces because Indianapolis is looking for a quarterback to lead their team. There's a lot of nice free agents, a lot of nice people that they could go after that. Teams are looking to change the landscape. So that retirement will impact the NFL for years to come. But And I do have an honorable mention. But I'll let Eric get his in first. No, that was me that had the honorable uh, mention. Brandon. My Brandon honorable, honorable mention, mention is the craziness and the intrigue of the new pass interference rule. And... And how how it worked throughout the season, or didn't at yeah. times. Yeah, exactly. And and don't worry. From what I've heard with the competition committee and coaches and owners, it's going away. Well, I I was watching. I told Eric this because Eric and I were talking earlier today. I was catching up on my Kansas basketball games. And one of the ESPN announcers, Bob Wischusen, raised a really good point when it comes to instant replay. He said that if he were in charge of instant replay, that he would put a 60-second clock on the screen while they were looking at plays. And if they don't have a decision made within that 60 seconds, the call stands on the field because it has to be clear and obvious to the point of overturning. I don't know that you can overturn a pass interference, no pass interference call within the span of 60 seconds. No. Or even if you went with, like the AAF did and like the XFL has now, like a sky judge slash dedicated replay official looking at everything in the booth. For something like that, that is so subjective, there's no way, especially with 60 seconds, no way that you could do it. So I, for one, I'm glad the NFL tried it, but I'm also not going to miss it if it officially goes. Well, the other thing that was choosing said was that it was a knee-jerk reaction to something that's probably never going to happen again. True, and True. I think the reps are on notice now. Which I think is, which I think is the the most important part of that conversation, though, is that we have to stop. 
we have to stop overreacting to these kind of things. Yeah, it sucked that New Orleans got screwed. Absolutely. But the odds of a play call coming up like that again, and then the referees not being at least wiser to the situation, if not having to go in and take the time to overturn it if they make the same dumb, bullheaded mistake again, are slim to none. Although you could bet those odds at Bovada.lv. I, but with the refing that we've had in the past and with TV and all of that, I have a feeling you're going to have a situation like that again at some point. Hey, it could be worse. We could be dealing with replacement refs again. Uh, our father, true. Phil Mary. <laughs> Hallowed be thy path. Phil <laughs> Mary, full of disgrace, the call is with thee. Two and twelve in New York City this year, or excuse me, two and fourteen. I don't know why I thought there were suddenly. I don't know why I suddenly thought there were. Uh, wait, you guys went four and. You guys went four and twelve. Yeah. I knew it was twelve. <laughs> I'm about to say trying to give you know, us you more losses. Seventy six season with Lou Holtz. Oh, I, 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 I I had a moment. Like I said, I'm getting over being sick. That's my excuse. Four and twelve in New York City this year, leading to a. Third coach being terminated within the past five years in New York. Jason, is there any reason for optimism in New York at this point outside of the fact that Daniel Jones maybe doesn't suck as bad as perhaps you thought he might? Uh, I think I think um, New York's going to turn around. I have uh, high expectations of the coaching staff we brought in. Uh, we, we're going to we're going to be led by Danny Dime and uh, Barkley. Uh, I think we're going to end up with some uh, one of either one of the receivers and uh, Judy or Lamb that will become uh, our wide receiver number one. Our defense will get uh, better and um, go big blue. It better be careful because I know Danny Dimes loves to have some loose change hanging around. And if well, you believe him, and if you, him and Eli like to play, him and Eli like him, Eli and Saquon like to play flip cup and bars too. And if you actually believe the Giants will be better next year, they have a bridge in Brooklyn for sale. Brandon. Same theory. Is there a reason for optimism in the Big Apple with Big Blue? For this year alone, no. I think it's still going to be a rough rebuilding year. Brand new coaching staff again. Danny Dime is going to be on his second year. We all know about the sophomore slump, even though Mahomes didn't show any of it this year. But <laughs> Well, he wasn't a sophomore. Well, that. Well, not to mention, let's be clear, Antonio Brown broke the Madden curse. True, true. Um, but I think there will be slight improvements this year, especially depending upon what they do in the draft. But I think it's still going to be a process. It's going to be a couple of years before they get back into contention. 
I see him finishing second in the East. I'm going to say, I'll say third. Well, I, I, I think we can all agree that Washington's probably going to suck next year. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I do believe Philadelphia and Dallas both respectively have too much talent for the Giants to move up any further. Don't go against Ginger Domas. He knows Six some stuff. Not, not NFL shit, but he knows some stuff. So and this is can go ahead and go against you because we're talking NFL. Yeah, right now. this is NFL. Well, all I'm gonna all I'm gonna say is two time uh, parlay champ versus all of you guys. Uh, longest longest streak in season on the um, on Survivor. So Are yeah, don't roll- don't, li- don't don't listen to this guy. Oh, that reminds me. Are we rolling that over? Yeah, I would say so. Are- or are we starting that anew for next season? Oh no, starting it anew for next season. Yeah, it'll be it'll be new. Okay, so we'll we'll bring back I'm a Survivor next year because that was actually fun. So we'll we'll bring back I'm a Survivor for next year. Six and if ten and four. Would have been your goddamn bills. I would have fucking went. I wouldn't have lost a goddamn game. <laughs> You're the one who trusted them the wrong week. Yep. Okay. Eric, I feel this appropriate right now. Are you ready? Yes. Because you know what the problem is, right? Tell me. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Okay. (laughs) Back to conversation. Six and ten in Florida this year, specifically in Jacksonville. However, four and four in your last eight, Eric. Signs oh. of improvement. But yeah, it's enough. No, it's not. How are you not going to have signs of improvement from a two and six start? Mm. Not to mention. Before we started making our moves. And get getting rid of a lot of potentially high-priced players. Not only were we six and ten, but we were over the salary cap by a couple million dollars, which is an impressive feat in today's NFL. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I get the fact that we need to shed a little bit of weight, but the thing is. We have to shed it in key positions. And let's face it, while the GM has been okay, while Coughlin had his issues, I get that, the people at the top of the front office still have their thumbs so far up their ass. I don't you don't that. need to shed weight. You need to have a fucking gastric bypass. <laughs> Does this include Chad? I I don't even know whether or not to count him anymore because he's been given too much of a damn about AEW and Fulham and car parts and redevelopment and not, you know, the reason why he wanted to be an NFL owner to begin with. Football, at least I assumed. Uh, No, he's still focused on football. 
just a different kind. Ta- yeah, different yeah kind if now he wants to merge the two of them together. I don't know. Maybe if the Jaguars do move to London, we can convince Vince to give us an XFL team. I mean, anyway. Uh, I feel like I feel like any further XFL teams in Florida is a bad idea. You already have enough Florida man with Tampa Bay. I, I, I could totally see the Vipers. We can see, move them. I, 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 I could totally see Vince doing that if for no other reason as a middle finger to the cons. Man, that's yeah, but, but the problem with that would be is that the stadium to use for the XFL franchise would probably be TIAA. And, and I, can, I bet you TIAA would be full a lot, lot more for an XFL team, especially since it doesn't interfere with the Gators and the uh, Seminoles. Speaking of, the, speaking of the Seminoles, something I saw earlier and forgot to bring up. Uh, Jason, you open your season with them this year, September 5th. Yep, in Atlanta. Chick-fil-A. I was going to say, I'm assuming that's probably the college kickoff classic, huh? Yes. One, one of, yeah. I've been seeing a lot of Bisco specials when it comes to scheduling games as far out as 2033. Mm-hmm. You, you got to line them up now. So that way when they suck then, you can say you booked them when they were good. <laughs> All right. This is the yeah. This is one of the issues with. We could have that conversation on a completely different show, and we will one day as we have downtime during the off season. But all right, the final requiem for a season goes to the cold, cold area known as Buffalo, New York, where a ragtag group of ragamuffins somehow managed to turn. A six and ten franchise last year into a ten and six franchise this year, the top wild card spot in the AFC, and an eyelash from defeating Houston wild card weekend. Look, I'm a realist. This Bills team is not there yet. We are close. We're very close, but we're not there yet. Defense is clearly our specialty. 259 points allowed last season. Second fewest in the AFC Care to guess who allowed the least amount of points in the AFC last year, Eric? Allowed the least? I'm going to say either Kansas City or Baltimore. New New England at 225. 282 for Baltimore, 308 for Kansas City. Clearly, defense is not the problem in Buffalo. What is the problem in Buffalo is a lack of maturity on offense. Devin Singletary showed flashes of brilliance. He's somebody I probably should have given an honorable mention for Rookie of the Year. But he also showed signs that he was a rookie. 
Josh Allen showed flashes of brilliance, but also showed signs that he is a second-year quarterback without a true number one wide receiver for as good as John Brown played in Buffalo this year and for as impressively consistent as Cole Beasley was. Just in time for him to fumble again. Now you have somebody glaring at you through the phone. (laughs) Anywho. Buffalo needs a number one wide receiver in order to take some of the pressure off of Josh Allen. More importantly, Buffalo needs an offensive line in order to keep Josh Allen from having to run for his godforsaken life every week. There is potential in Buffalo... But as the old saying goes, potential is basically just a French word for not ready yet. Does that change next season? We'll see. It may also Uh, help that uh, the AFC East may get a lot weaker next year. I was about to say, based on what we're talking about with New England here, I wouldn't bet against it on Bovada.lv. I mean, they, you can get some quality futures bets. Just saying. I get paid on Tuesday. I might actually throw that down. I might throw down like 10 bucks on that. <laughs> All right. Anywho. Um, any final seasons on any, any final thoughts on the 2019 season? Jason? I think Jason's asleep. I am not asleep. I was taking the dogs out. Ah. I just had you guys. I had you guys muted, and the phone was in my hoodie. So, you know, professionalism here here at the uh, Tower of Teasley. Um, no, I mean, I, I think that uh, the one thing was back back about my honorable mention is I think that um, on my biggest story, I think. There's going to be a um, a precedent was set this year with the likes of Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, just to name a few, that the players are getting more control than owners and other executives would like them to have. Thus, you are going to see a lot of holdouts a lot of contract disputes, and I think that it will actually lead to some big names not being part of their teams due to um, contract negotiations. Granted. Well, just to piggyback off of what Jason said, I wonder how much the XFL will influence that because a player could theoretically say, you're not going to pay me. Okay. I'm going to go play for the XFL, uh, next season or something along those lines. Um, it's going to be very interesting, uh, over the next couple of weeks and months to see how the CBA goes. Um, because I believe this was the last year, correct? They need to get one done before, 
Yes, mm-hmm. they're working. Yeah, they they're working. Have right one. Now. They're getting ready yes. to vote on. So, yes, because well, their current agreement expires the end of this coming season. Oh, okay. They so, so they're safe for this season. So. 20, 2019-2020 was, was an interesting season. Um, I think we're definitely seeing a progression and a change in mindset amongst quarterbacks and a change in style. And it should be interesting to see how that continues throughout the next couple of seasons. Eric. Speaking of that CBA... It was on the back of everybody's minds even going into this season. And if you thought this was bad and you thought this was a bit of a roller coaster, even before things were finalized, now you're starting to hear players speak out. You're starting to really get the pulse of the league. Enjoy 2020. Be prepared because... I'm not throwing down 2021 as a guarantee. And also, to Jerry, you weren't necessarily good when you threw up the X before. Don't start doing it again. It won't help. My lasting thought from the 2019 into the early 2020 NFL season is simple. Why? Why are we taking such drastic measures to change the game when the game as we knew it was the game that people love? I'll agree with that. Player safety is important. Don't get me wrong. And anything that can be done to make the game safer, I'm in favor of. Better equipment, better pads, safer rules when it comes to things where large amounts of injuries happen, such as kickoff returns and putt returns. Cutting down on illegal blindside blocks, and on kicks, and on basic plays and stuff. Anything when it comes to the concern of player safety, I am perfectly okay with. But why must we meander in a game that has always had a human element? Why? Because Vegas, baby. And it's only going to get worse with an actual NFL franchise in the city now. You think they've done a lot to change up the way the game's been played yet now? You haven't seen anything yet. And be prepared because at some point this offseason, we're going to have squids, crazy ideas that just may work. Yes. Before we get out of here, let's go ahead and give you a quick rundown of what the plan is for this off season. We already mentioned it. We will be going on a two week hiatus for from this show in order to get ready to catch up on NCAA college basketball. The tip off will return then with two episodes, at least two, maybe three, depending on how the scheduling works out. And then we will have our NFL draft coverage. Following that, we have a special that we've been talking about, and I think we're going to officially announce it here, if you guys don't mind. Sure. Okay. Just after a quick shout-out to Merrimack. First season in D1 and you win your conference title? Kudos to you. 
the official announcement that I'm going to make here is there will be a special four-part episode of the kickoff during this offseason, and we're calling it GOAT, Greatest of All Teams, where we give our personal picks for our favorite offensive and defensive player from every franchise in the NFL, be they active or not active. We will break them down into eight teams a week. The North, the East, the South, and the West. That'll be coming this offseason. Eric, go ahead and tell everybody else about a couple of the other ideas that we've tossed around as well for this offseason. Well, one of the ideas is stuff that I've had with different sounding boards. I know I've had some ideas about what I would do with certain sports. Football, basketball, and hockey. And I've realized if anybody could tear these ideas to shreds and make me sound stupid, it's these three. So why not give it a shot? <laughs> Much more to come in the offseason as well. We're going to kick around some other ideas in order to give us content. We will not be a weekly show during the offseason. I'm going to say that right now. Don't expect it because it's not going to happen. But we will. Hell, we're, we haven't been a weekly season. We haven't been a weekly podcast since the season ended. <laughs> However, we will be trying to stick around a little bit more this offseason than we did last offseason to make sure you still get your kickoff fix. Jason, where can people find you online? People can look me up on uh, Twitter. It's at TurkeyGlue822. Um, shoot me a message. If you want direct TV, send your number and a DM. I'll hook you up. We got some great deals. Uh, or a new cell phone from AT&T. Also can handle, the, handle your requests there. Got some good promos I can talk to you about. I mean, he uh, outside of that... Hey, I'm chilling like a motherfucker today. He, I got to pay for. I got to pay for. I, I got to pay for a um, a Universal Studios trip that my wife decided to promise my daughter for her birthday. So yeah, here we go with that. So uh, with that being said, also I got to pay for my Jeep, which is more important than my daughter's birthday. Um. Outside of that, I mean, we will be, um, I think what we will do is uh, on the alternate weeks, if we go bi-weekly with uh, kickoff, the weeks uh, that we are not on kickoff, me and Eric will probably be bringing Black Irish to light. Uh, I know that we were supposed to be underway now, but some technical issues have occurred getting things squared away so we can get uh, bring you the best quality, quality possible and a little bit better content. So look for Black Irish uh, for me and Eric, which will be a hell of a ride if things go the way that we have discussed. One of the main topics that we will be, we're, we're, it's going to be a fun podcast, but we, we will tackle uh, a couple of serious topics. One major topic that probably will be on episode one is me and Eric's going to sit down and debate the 
and discuss the Rooney Rule. Another topic, which I will be joined by Brandon and Harry when we sit down and debate the Tebow Rule for homeschooled athletes playing in a public school system. So it's going to be lighthearted as well as we're going to bring some uh, heavy hitting topics. So look for that here on W2M in the forthcoming weeks. Brandon, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Bisco underscore Gotham SN. And unfortunately, they were not, neither team was able to win. So win in their quarterfinal matchups. So I was, I will not be able to make any beware of dog references, but be sure to tune in to all of my coverage of North Merle Beach Chiefs baseball starting on March 10th. Eric, where can people find you online? At Squid Sports Head on Twitter. And you can also find me behind the scenes here at the W2M Network. Still trying to figure out soccer to the max. Got some scheduling issues along with technical difficulties. Uh, you may see me more on Facebook. And yeah, when I'm not going to be building my website and launching my business, which is preliminary, going to be named Ricky's TNT LLC. If you happen to slide in my DMs and you're underwilling to go, uh, through the special vetting process, you will get access to my dark Twitter, Snapchat, and Telegram. Telephone, and Telegram, if you really want to find Eric in, if you want to find Eric, you can always tune in to AE Dynamite Live Wednesday nights on TNT. <laughs> I really got to right. get my hair done better for the cameras. <laughs> All right. All right, <laughs> All right, anyway, ATB the Eagle on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Harry Broadhurst on Facebook as well, but it is facebook.com backslash ATB the Eagle. It's pretty much been universally my name everywhere ever since I was a teenager. Um, yeah. Like I said, we have some interesting content coming forward for you guys during the course of this offseason, so we won't completely disappear from your view frame. We just won't be in every week podcast like we were during the regular season. The greatest of all teams, though, I'm really looking forward to. So, for Jason Teasley, Brandon Biscoping, and Eric Watkins, I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been the kickoff year-end awards edition here on the W2M Network, online at W2Mnet.com, and available in all of your favorite podcast listening services such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. And Glacier's still a dick. LAFC are bigger dicks. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate you checking out the kickoff in 2019. We look forward to more coverage in 2020.